This episode is brought to you by Dark Touch, book one in the Glass Star Trilogy by L. Lewis. Sloane left home a year ago, hoping to escape her past. One night, a chance encounter will change her life forever. Sloane crosses paths with a dangerous being. He is ancient, evil, and she has caught his attention. Sloane attempts to continue with day-to-day -day life, but soon realizes that she has become his obsession. Not only does he stalk her by day, but he can enter her dreams, tormenting her while she sleeps. Desperate, Sloane searches for answers, and time is running short. Dark Touch by L. Lewis, book one in the Glass Star Trilogy, available now on paperback or ebook. Fast-paced urban fantasy published by Black Rose Writing. Pick up your copy today on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Dark Touch by L. Lewis. This episode is brought to you by The Paternus Trilogy by author Dirk Ashton, a Spiffbo Top 3 finalist and an R-Fantasy finalist for Best Debut Novel. Described as American Gods meets Infinity War, True Blood meets The Talisman, and Supernatural meets The Lord of the Rings. Paternus combines myths from around the world in a modern story of action and intrigue. Nicholas Eames, Gamel Award-winning author of The Kings of the Wild and Bloody Rose, says book one, Paternus, Rise of Gods, is terrific, intelligent, intricate, suspenseful, and epic. Past guest Anthony Ryan gives Paternus five stars, calling it an imaginative, exhilarating ride with a refreshing take on contemporary fantasy, highly recommended. Patrick Leo of Novel Notions says book two, Paternus, Wrath of Gods, is a brilliant concoction of mythologies and cultures that fans of urban fantasy definitely must read. Paternus book one, Rise of Gods, and book two, Wrath of Gods, are available now. Listen on Audible or iTunes, read for free with Kindle Unlimited, or grab a paperback copy today at paternusbooks.com. That's paternusbooks.com. The Paternus Trilogy by Dirk Ashton. This is author Raymond V. Feist. Hi, this is R. Scott Baker. This is Anthony Ryan. The Grim Tidings Podcast welcomes Delilah S. Dawson to the show. Delilah, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is literary agent Mark Gottlieb from Trident Media Group. This is David Anthony Durham. Hi, this is Melanie Metters. Hi, this is Brian Stavely. Hello, this is Jesse Bullington slash Alex Marshall. Hi, this is Jeff Salyards. Hi, this is Michael R. Fletcher. The Grim Tidings Podcast proudly welcomes Steven Erickson to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward uh, my name is Emma Newman, and you're listening to the Grim Tidings Podcast. It's the Grim Tidings Podcast. I'm Rob Buffini. And I'm Philip Overby. Today's guest is an author of speculative fiction, including science fiction, steampunk, and urban fantasy. She's the author of nine novels at present and was nominated for a British Fantasy Award for Best Newcomer in 2014. When not writing award-winning fiction, she could be found LARPing, making dresses, or drinking tea. Speaking of tea, she's also the co-creator and host of the award-winning Tea and Jeopardy podcast, where she explores the world of geek passions and creativity with authors, illustrators, and other cool guests. Her latest book, Before Mars, was released in April and is the third entry in the Planet Fall series. Currently residing in Somerset, England, on Twitter at mapocalyptic, the Grim Tidings podcast proudly welcomes Emma Newman to the show. Emma, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Hello. Delight to have another Newman here on the show. You are a wife of, of Peter Newman, so a previous uh, podcast listeners might be familiar with, with that name, but you are a, an entity and a force unto your own, and we are delighted and excited to have you on the show today. We know that you're, you're super duper crazy, insanely busy. We were going to have you actually on the show like about a month or two ago, but uh, Philip was kind of busy dying in the hospital, uh, but uh, good news, Phil did not die. He's here, uh, as you can hear. On yes, uh, yes, I did. Oh, you did? Okay. This is my ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Ghost Philip. Hi, Ghost Philip. You sound remarkably well for a ghost. Well, you know, when you die, uh, actually what happens is you you die and you sound really good afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm delighted to hear that because maybe my uh, career will continue beyond the grave if uh, if that's the case. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Well, you you are su- super busy, so to continue beyond the grave would just uh, keep that flow of creativity going. Uh, you've been pretty busy over the past few weeks. We know you've, you're getting over a cold as well, but uh, maybe bring us up to speed on what you've been doing over the past several weeks in the world of Emma Newman. Uh, in the past several weeks, I've been recording several audiobooks, uh, writing uh, a lot of words on my uh, fourth novel in the Planetfall series. And uh, I have also been LARPing and uh, trying to juggle all of those things at the same time has been interesting, very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) A bit chaotic. A little bit. Um, and there's been quite a few public appearances because Before Mars came out not that long ago. Um, so I went to MCM Comic Con in London where there were 90,000 people where I got this horrendous cold from. And uh, so there's there's been lots and lots of, I was going to say disruption, but that's because I'm in writing mode at the moment. So everything that does not involve me sitting and writing many thousands of words every week is automatically classed as disruption. <laughs> but that is a little bit unfair considering that, you know, some of it was my other job, which was uh, audiobook narration. But yeah, there's, there's been a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. So the con crud is, is, is a thing in the UK as well, it sounds like. It definitely is. And usually I escape it. I, I take lots of precautions to escape it. But I think I've just had a little bit too much going on. And I went there very tired and very stressed. And so uh, I think I was a bit immunosuppressed. But hey, ho, in a couple <laughs> of weeks, it will get better. The book will be handed in. And it'll be great. I'm trying not to laugh hysterically and <laughs> <laughs> failing. Uh, but no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Do you ever multitask and like LARP and write and narrate all at the same time? (laughs) Um, No, when I'm the kind of LARPer that when I'm LARPing, that is all I'm doing. I'm very, very, very in character, very immersed. Um, And that's one of the reasons I love it, because I can switch off my work brain. But in the rest of my life, then, yeah, you know, if I'm driving to the studio, I may be thinking about the book when I'm sitting down to write. I'm often thinking about LARP, which is a bit annoying, but um, I have to try and push that away. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting set of things that I do in my work life that they all demand very high concentration and um, to be absolutely laser focused on on the actual task in hand. And it, that suits me well because I'm really, really deeply introverted. So I like to concentrate very very deeply on the particular task I'm doing at that time I couldn't have a job where you know there are dozens of people asking different things and you know loads of different tasks and things during the day I would hate that that is that is not the way that I like to work as far as LARPing you're probably well you're most definitely the most hardcore LARPer we've we've had on the show unless (laughs) Peter does a lot of LARPing or some other guest Joe Abercrombie or somebody um what is a LARP you haven't done yet that's on your wish list that you're like really itching to get to? Oh, there's um, there's a LARP that happens in Poland called Fairweather Manor, I think. And it's in this castle that looks very much like uh, the place in Downton Abbey, I think. It's it looks kind of similar or it has that feel. I'm trying to remember. I've seen so many pictures of castles in Poland that my friends laugh at. They were all kind of blurred into this kind of amalgam of like the most perfect location ever. <laughs> so that's one that I would really love to go to. But to be honest, the one that I'm playing at the moment is just giving me everything I could possibly want. And, oh. and there is no way I could fit any other LARP into my life. I do a lot of tabletop gaming as well. I love tabletop, um, but I, I love LARP as well. And uh I'm very, very passionate about the LARP I'm playing in at the moment because because uh, I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah, your uh, passionate for LARP is very clear as going so far as to write a blog post article for Tor.com called How LARP Changed My Life. Um, <laughs> yes. So you, you are into it. Um, tell us a little bit how you got into LARPing. Uh, so <laughs> unlike a lot of my friends that I role play with, I didn't discover D&D at school. Most of my friends did. Um, I didn't. I think I may have played it once just randomly with some people and and it didn't really make much of an impact. But where um, LARP came into my life was one of the most random things. I was literally in a car with a relative when I was about 15, 
driving back from the town in which she lived out to her house on the edge of town. And I happened to look to my left at a random point in the journey, saw that a new shop had opened, which was a Star Trek shop. Mm. And it was it was like the the best moment of my entire life because I was utterly obsessed with Star Trek Next Generation. This is in the 90s. And it was before the internet and um, well, it, before the, the internet as we know it, you know, being in everyone's homes, it was already in universities and stuff, but it wasn't anything that I had access to at home. And it was really different being a fan of something back then, especially of an American show. It was it was really hard to find information and find stuff. And there was suddenly a shop full of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was so <laughs> excited. So I nagged my relative to take me back to this place like the next day, walked in and it, it was just this incredible Aladdin's cave full of stuff. And I thought, this is it. I, I have actually gone to heaven. And then they said, do you want to have a look in the back room? And I thought they had just like more merchandise there. And no, they had a recreation of the bridge of the uh, Enterprise in the back room with all of the consoles and all of the chairs. And then I actually died. And it was just... <laughs> It's just like, is this is this actually really happening? And I was like, oh my god! And can I sit down in the chair? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, well, what do you do here? And they're like, oh, we just we we do this thing. We we play this game every Wednesday evening, and uh, it, it's it's a LARP, and uh, we all pretend to be in the crew, and we have GMs, and and it was just like I must have been the embodiment, the the living embodiment of Heart Eyes at that moment, and um, just said, can I? come and they said yes and I've never looked back um, and really really got the bug um, to the extent that when I had to move to a boarding school because of various terrible and and very annoying family circumstances involving the Royal Navy I actually chose a school that was as close to that shop as I could physically wow. get it <laughs> so that I could hang out with them and laugh. And then as soon as I went to university, the first thing I did at the Freshers' Fair, where all of the different clubs and societies have little stands saying, hey, come and join us. I just walked through the entire fair just looking for the role-playing society. And I can still remember my friends who were manning it at the time. And I was like, this is the only thing I want. Where do I sign up? <laughs> and... <laughs> And then um, I basically got a degree in role playing and got one in psychology on the side. I still don't understand how I got my degree because I, I did a metric fuck ton of role playing at university. <laughs> it's like six games a week. Damn. Um, wow. Yeah. And uh, and learned how to GM. And um, and it was a massive, massive part of my life. And, and I'm still very, very close friends with a lot of the people that I LARPed and role played with uh, in that time. Um, and fast forward all of these years later, I'm now playing in a huge fest LARP, which is obviously here in the UK. And it's got around 2,000 players in it. And uh, it's basically four times a year they take over this huge campsite, which is like the size of two football pitches, and um, create a city out of like canvas bell tents. And uh, it, you just basically go there and for three days you're in another world. And it's is the best thing ever. We have the best hobby. And uh, I, I will fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I did LARP one time. I'm not sure. Um, I did a Civil War reenactment. Is that LARP? Oh, that's, no, that is different. Mm. It's, <laughs> it's like there's, there's, if there's a Venn diagram of reenactors and LARPers, there is a very thin sliver that overlaps. Um, oh. But there are a lot of people in the reenactment world who will give us a bit of a strange sideways glance and vice versa. Um, reenactment, in the, certainly in the UK, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but in the reenactment scene in the UK, a lot of it is about living history and recreating exactly what it was like and mm. you know, faithfully recreating things accurately to the extent where, you know, people will hand sew costume and use the techniques that were used at the time, only use the materials that were used at the time. Whereas LARP is very, very different. Um, oh. And also in, in the recreate, uh, the reenactment scene, some I've heard some people say that they take on a persona sometimes, whereas in LARP, it's, it's very definitely taking on a character, playing a character, playing through stories, creating narratives together. Um, it's, it's a very, very different thing in many respects. 
there are there are some area very small areas of overlap. I mean, we're we're effectively you know big groups of weird people that dress up and <laughs> go and do weird shit in a field for a weekend. Um, you know that we're in the same kind of tribe in that respect, but mm. they are very different beasts. Yeah, that's what I I wasn't sure if I was doing it correctly because it was the, it was the first and only time I I ever got to do it, and I just kept falling down over and over again. Like, I guess I would pretend I got shot and I would just fall on the ground and then I would get kind of bored laying there and I would stand up again and get shot again. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't <laughs> know what to do. Um, if I went to any kind of reenactment, I wouldn't have any idea. So I guess people probably thought I was some kind of zombie. Like if people were watching, <laughs> I just kept getting up over and over again. Oh, there's a fucking zombie on the field. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it, the battle side of LARP I haven't got involved with yet. Um, that's something I'm doing this year. Um, but there are huge battles that take place in the, the LARP that I play. But as I said, I haven't gone there yet. If you don't do the battle side, what side do you do? Um, all of the... the um, <laughs> one of the affectionate words we have for an aspect of it is trauma gowning. <laughs> Where there's lots of um, very emotionally complex and intense relationships like family relationships and romantic relationships and kind of personal plot and personal narratives but there's there's a massive religious game at this um at this larp so there is a really really interesting religion is part of the the world and so there's loads of politics loads of religious politics there's all kinds of plot going on um there are 10 different nations that are on the field so there's 10 different cultures that you can be part of and explore i mean it's it's just the most incredibly immersive engaging thing i've i've ever done in terms of larp i mean i say that i was i was doing vampire larp in the 90s i mean i i'm kind of aging myself here by <laughs> saying yeah this is this is exactly where where the the focus was when i was at university it was all vampire the masquerade that we played in tabletop, but we also ran vampire games as LARPs um, in the society game where there's about a hundred players and we play every week. And that was awesome. You know, swanning about in nice frocks, <laughs> you know, being monstrous. It, you know, what's not to love? Come on. So yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things that you can get from LARP, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. At the moment I, I have, my character is involved in this amazing romance and I'm about as romantic as a table leg. I mean, honestly, <laughs> It amazes me that, you know, I, I have a very happy marriage because I'm really not romantic and uh, I don't read romance. I don't write romance. I just it just it just bounces off me like I've got some kind of shield and it's just no, it doesn't work for me. But I've discovered it in LARP and it's like, holy shit, I am here for this. I'm really here for this. So, you know, who'd have thought it 41 years old and I've discovered I really love romances in LARP. So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that's going on for me at the moment. And it's absolutely awesome. Getting in character love letters in downtime as well between the events. That's awesome. <laughs> I send love so. letters to Rob sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Everyone should get some sort of love letter. I, I much prefer the ones for my characters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Pete. <laughs> but no, this is, um, it's, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I'm not going to, but I'm not going to be one of those players that will now spend like 15 minutes telling you in great detail all of the shit that's going on with my character at the moment, because that would be really boring and I'm not going to do that. I will spare you. What's the name of your character? My name is uh, Lady Eleanor Navarian of the Nation of Dawn, and it's uh, it's a game called Empire. Ooh. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's it was really intimidating first playing because uh, you know like I said, there's anything between fifteen hundred to sometimes over two thousand people in this field playing this game. So there are there are so many games going on at the same time. You know, so many people have different experiences of that game world and the game. Because it's so huge and so rich and so complex, you can, you know, pursue whatever kind of story you want within the, the framework of that world. Um, so there'll be people who will go there and spend, you know, the whole weekend really driving some political thing through the Senate and, you know, focusing on that or international diplomacy or religion or just going and twatting bad guys on the battlefield. You know, there's there's something for everyone. It's it's fantastic. Now, were you writing before you were LARPing? 
Oh uh, yeah, well I started writing when I was four, and I got to oh. laugh a little bit later. Oh yes. Um, so you know, obviously I wasn't writing seriously, <laughs> and it was really shit what I was writing. <laughs> but it's it's always been in my life. It's it's something that has always been part of what I do. So yeah, the writing was definitely first, and and when I was at university, I, I got into university because of a short story I wrote, and then I didn't write for ten years, and so all of my storytelling was in role playing. And then when I went back to writing and started to focus very seriously on that, I had to stop GMing because it all came from the same creative well, and and it was a bit of a sad moment. And even now, I, I haven't GMed for years not since I started to really, really, really focus on the writing, just because I, I just can't do both. I can't craft worlds. And I mean, I tell a lie, we, we did do a, a LARP set in the Split Worlds, which is the series, the urban fantasy series I wrote. So there was an element of, of going back to GMing there, but that was for a very, you know, one event. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like I learned a lot about how to be a writer through role playing. But now I'm very much a player because I'm trying to write all the bloody time. I think we hear that a lot. People start with role playing and kind of get more into writing as things go and either either the they separate from role playing altogether for some reason or they uh, it becomes kind of a background thing to the writing the writing kind of takes over um, yeah i think i think there's there's a drive in some people to tell stories and a deep passionate love of narrative and it's all about where you express that so i could very easily put all of the energy that i put into writing a novel into running a campaign but running a really awesome tabletop campaign for my husband and my great mates is not going to pay my mortgage no. and that is one of the crimes of my life <laughs> um, but also obviously writing is, is something that is a very a very different thing it gives you something real at the end of it you know I can hold my book in my hand and mm. and it's something that many 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 people can enjoy they can all enjoy that story with me or hopefully they will get something out of that story whereas you know role-playing it's it's a small number of people um, if it's a tabletop. But, you know, I feel like I'm telling stories in the LARP that I'm playing at the moment. I've created a very complex character with a very complex background. And and as I was saying to my, my friends the other evening when we were chatting about it, I feel like I've created an emotional puzzle box with this character that I have kind of given to my friends to say, figure this woman out. And there are really cool things going on with her and they're all really enjoying it. So I feel like there's a, a hint of it there. But, you know, that there are so many people I've met and become friends with through writing and going to conventions. And I would estimate that at least 50 percent, if not 80 percent of them are all role players. And, mm. you know, you, you can't walk through a convention bar without tripping over a bloody role player. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. And then you end up, you know, being able to play games with them as well. And that's fantastic i mean adrian tchaikovsky is a very good friend of ours and he ran us the most awesome D, &D campaign which was amazing that was my first experience of fifth ed and and i love it i love it and that's that's really cool yeah i just started playing that with uh, my wife my wife has never played D, &D yeah. before and uh she's from japan so you know in japan i don't think D is really that popular here and the first time we were playing, she kept sending the NPC to do stuff because she didn't want to get hurt. So oh. like every, every time she's like, I don't want to get hurt. So she's like, she had this halfling NPC. She's like, he, he's going to go check it. And I'm like, <laughs> he's going to get pissed off if you keep having him go into danger every time. And she's like, oh, it's okay. I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> she didn't get hurt. So It's one of the things that I love so much about role playing is that I, I really like people say when they're an avid reader that they've lived many lives because they've lived the lives of the characters in those books. And role playing is like that dialed up to 100. I feel like I have lived so much more and I've experienced so much more through all of the games I've played in. And that sounds kind of ridiculous because duh, it's all just make believe, you know, it's not actually a real thing. But the kind of role playing that I really enjoy is very emotionally authentic and does enable you to explore some really powerful things. And 
And that's what I want from my role playing. I mean, obviously, you know, when I was playing D and D, I I did just want to fireball the fuck out of every problem. <laughs> that is obviously a deeply enjoyable thing. But you know, in other games, and especially in the, the LARP that I'm playing at the moment, we're exploring really complex issues, and and I love that. I love this collaborative storytelling that I'm enjoying in this game at the moment. I find it very, very rewarding, and and it helps to refill the creative well as well. You know, when you're writing and um, and creating stuff all the time, you have to find a way to put it back in, and it's definitely kind of feeding me many times over. It's <laughs> I'm going on about it too much. Sorry, I'm no, no. evangelizing that, here. That's that's. <laughs> Part of why we brought you on, because we knew that you were uh, very excited and passionate about uh, this subject. So, yes, how would very, one, very passionate. How would one get started with, with LARPing if somebody's listening to the show and maybe they're role-playing and they're like, maybe I want to take my role-playing to the next level and the new one style? What tips would you give them for starting on a LARP? Well, if they're already playing a tabletop, they're, they're kind of halfway there already. For people who are like, so tell me of this role-playing thing that I'm like, oh, whew, yeah, there's, there's a lot of ground to cover here. But if you're already tabletopping, depending on, depending on the kind of group that you play with, you're already comfortable with the idea of having a character. With LARP, it's an amalgam of the role-playing aspect of taking on a character and having different skill sets. But you add in improvisational theatre and you add in acting and you add in costume and when you play your character, you're not just saying, well, she's going to go into this room or or even just saying the dialogue that you would in a tabletop. You're, you're acting it. You're being it. You know, I've I've been there. My brother died. My my character's brother died uh, last year in the game. And I was sobbing. I was ugly crying as my brother died. And that is an incredibly emotional powerful experience and i've you know held people as they've been crying because someone else has died all this kind of stuff and that that is really performative in in one aspect as well because you're creating the scene for everybody else around you and that's something i'm always very mindful of as a role player as as a larper specifically is you know what game am i bringing to other people how am i facilitating letting other people tell their stories in concert with my character so for people who want to get into that, I think they should bear that in mind because it's not for everyone. Not everybody enjoys that. But if you're listening and going, holy shit, my God, yes, I'm, I need to do this, then have a look at what is going on in your local area. If you're already involved in tabletop, it's likely that somebody is going to know somebody who is laughing. And especially if you're in the UK, there are obviously hundreds of people who do it, but it's still a relatively small community. So see if there's someone you know if there's a game that you're interested in, there are different kind of levels of LARP. Playing in something like Empire is, is playing it on hard mode because there's camping involved. You can stay in a local hotel if you want to, but it isn't comfortable in a way that a indoor one night parlor LARP in a nice venue is. So you may want to think about your comfort levels and um, put a toe in the water with something which may be a one-off LARP where you can just you know, prepare for one game, go and give it a go, but you're not having to invest a huge amount of time and effort and energy. If you're keen on doing a really big fest LARP um, and you know people who are doing it, my top tip is to set up your character and their connections to other characters before you hit the field, because it can be incredibly intimidating. Everybody has, there are so many people there who've been playing it for years. There's a sense of, oh God, how do I kind of insert myself into this world. How do I get as much fun as everybody else? And and one of the ways that I did that was that when we did the Split Worlds Ball, many of the players who played that also play Empire. And one of them said, hey, we think you'd love this. You can be my sister. My character has a sister. She's never been in the field. Why don't you play her? And so I had an immediate connection. And of course, my brother had people he was connected to who he introduced me to and bam, I hit the ground running right at the start. But yeah, it's, it's a matter of, of finding people, finding people and talking. I mean, I had no idea this stuff was going on. I was like in this desert for like 15 years after university, not knowing where this stuff was going on. And I've discovered this incredibly vibrant community. So yeah, it's, it's asking around and looking and searching online. And the thing that I've found is that LARPers are just lovely. 
I mean, obviously, you know, when you when you've got things where there are thousands of people involved, you're always going to get one idiot or, you know, someone who is not that great. But my overriding experience of all of it is that everyone is lovely and they want to help and they want to help you find your bliss in that game. So ask people, talk to people, see if there's a forum. Here's a general life rule. I will never go to forums. But (laughs) if there is a forum that exists for that LARP that you're interested in going to, there's usually a ton of helpful advice and helpful people. And um, yeah, so that's that's what I would do. Forge your connections before you hit the field. If you if you are playing a game like Empire, where there is a wiki which is like the size of the Bible. I mean, there, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, shit, I cannot handle that. I do not have time in my life to get my head around this. I invented a character concept that meant she didn't know anything when she got to the field. Do that, you know, make life easy for yourself um, and don't feel that you have to get it all perfectly right, right on day one of your first LARP and do it. It's great. I'm interested in kind of the the idiot thing you mentioned. You know, everyone has stories and I've heard stories in different LARPs. And there are some people who just have a very different play style to you. So when I'm in, you know, you time in at 10 o'clock in the morning and time out is one o'clock the following morning. And if I'm in the OC area on the field, I'm in character and I hate it if people drop out of character without good reason. If there is a really good reason, like, actually, I'm really ill and I need some painkillers. I'm so down with that. That is totally fine. But if someone drops out of character to say, oh, my God, my character is such a dick about this. It's like, well, thank you for completely destroying the immersion and the magic of this moment. So that that kind of thing pisses me off. I haven't come across that at Empire, thankfully. But that's that's the kind of thing where different play styles can be an issue. And also one of the things that may be a, a factor is if somebody comes into a game and and doesn't understand the culture of that game perhaps or doesn't understand what other people are trying to do so a very kind of emotive topic is uh in character murder and if if you you know want to play this edgy assassin that goes around killing people in this larp what if the people that you are having so much fun killing have got characters that they've been working on for years and have spent hundreds of pounds on their kit and are in the middle of really great narratives. And and just because you wanted five minutes of fun stabbing someone in the dark, that's all ended for them. So it's, it's that kind of awareness of um, doing things that don't uh, end the game or um, unfairly or prematurely end the game in a way that is not consensual for other players. That kind of thing is, mm. um, I think, is very important to, to have a good culture around. And a lot of LARPs are very good at, at kind of laying that out in the ground rules. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things that with every single human activity, there are always going to be people who don't want to do it the same way as you and you have to deal with that. And that's the worst it gets. But, you know, I'd never really, I'd been camping once in my life and it was awful and I nearly died of exposure. <laughs> and then, So when my friends were like, and then we go camping in this field, I was like, what? what? <laughs> but, but because I'm such a role-playing keener, I was like, okay, I'm willing to try this. So I rocked up with this tent and I was really, really nervous and I have an anxiety disorder. So like I, I was really working so very hard not to just catastrophically lose my shit. And there were so many people putting up their tents saying, hey, do you want a hand? And, you know, they, they're just lovely in that respect as well. The OC, out of character, OC care um, that I've found with the people that I play with in Empire in particular is, is just beautiful. We all take care of each other. Mm. Um, and it's a really nice thing. Yeah, it sounds like a great community of folks to be involved with. <clears throat> yes, yes. And it, it really is that. It's, uh, it's a community and it's something I, I feel so lucky and so blessed to have found um, just, you know, in the last couple of years. I've been playing this game for two years now. And before then, you know, it's, it's given me so much. It's enriched my life so much. So, yeah, if, if people want to have a go, have a go. Just, you know, do it gently. You know, the first empire I went to, I had minimal kit. I borrowed kit from people on the field so that I didn't go and spend loads of money trying something that I could have hated. Um, so it's just things like that, just going in cautiously. Um, it's, it's one of those weird things with FESLAPs in particular. There's a very high investment. You have to put in a lot of energy and a lot of thought 
and a lot of preparation into something that may not give you that return immediately. And for me, the game has got better and better and better and better and better and better. And that's not like that for everyone. Pete tried it and it didn't he didn't do it for him. Hmm. And, you know, that was that was just it. That was the thing. He prefers tabletop. I mean, funnily enough, we met through LARP. I was his GM for a vampire game Aww. back when we were at university. Yeah. That's adorable. That's how <laughs> that's how we that's how we met each other. And we had a mutual one of my closest friends at university was his closest friend at school. So we kind of had that connection. And so, you know, I know that he loves LARP, but he's very much a kind of indoors parlor LARP kind of guy. Whereas, you know, Empire has stolen me away. So what it's not of, for everyone. What kind of vampire so, was Peter in university? Uh, well he was several at different points. But if I recall correctly, he was quite an innocent, lovely bloke who had been embraced by somebody awful, which, you know, is totally my jam. You know, you could tell I was his GM because, um, yeah, he was being horrendously manipulated by awful, awful people. And that's why we loved vampires so much. It was great. Let's talk for a moment then about Planet Fall. That is your uh, sci-fi series before Mars came out in April is the third installment in the series. Now, it's not the third book in the series. Are these, these they aren't sequential books, are they? Are they a series? Or no. They- no, they, uh, they are all genuine standalone novels, and you can read them in any order. Um, there are, I've seen various debates online about what is the optimal order to read the books <laughs> in, um, which, which amuses me. But um, I don't consider there to be an optimal order. Um, it was just the order in which they were written. They are uh, very much um, psychological studies as well as science fiction. It's very human-focused science fiction. Um, so, for example, in Planetfall, the protagonist uh, suffers from a very severe mental illness. Um, she's a 3D printing engineer um, for a colony on a distant planet. So there, there is a, a lot of cool tech i'm such a nerd i love cool tech i love future tech um and there's all kinds of you know juicy juicy sci-fi but it is all very much a human-centric story before mars the most recent one is not an ironic title it is actually set on mars and the protagonist is a woman who is recovering from postnatal depression and is at risk of something called immersion psychosis, which is a real psychological condition that is caused by the technology of the time where you can immerse yourself into recorded memories and experience them as if they are real and happening and same with games. And if you do that too much, you can have difficulties telling the difference between reality and immersion. And as a LARPer, you can see where that may have come from. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the things. So there's, and then in After Atlas, that is a murder mystery set on Earth about 80 years in the future. And the protagonist is an investigator, a high-level uh, police investigator who's only called in when it's the most complex, high-profile murder cases. But he is also an indentured slave. He is owned, literally, by the corporation that employs him. So he has a huge amount of social power, and everyone is terrified of him because he could you know, uncover every dirty secret in their life very, very easily. But he also has absolutely no power, no autonomy, no control over his own life at all. And that was what I was exploring in that book. And that was the one that was shortlisted. So, yeah, that's that's what the science fiction is. And with the urban fantasy series, the Split World series, that's very, very different. That's five books that really, really need to be read in order. It's a completed series. It is done. All five books are out there and it is done. So if people want to go and start with Between Two Thorns, they can be safe and secure in the knowledge that the story is finished. And that is a very different beast. The, um, the science fiction stuff is very psychologically deep and complex first person narratives. Uh, the Split World series has four main characters, multiple POVs, very complex plots. There are really, really evil, evil fairies. They are really little shit <laughs> and um, manipulative fey lords. Um, there's magic, insane sorcerers, dynastic feuding families, lots of politics, feminism, all kinds of stuff um, in those books. So it's a very big story, but it has to be read in order. And then you have an uh, addition with some steampunk novellas, too, with uh, Brothers Ruin and Weaver's Lament. So you um, have a variety of, of uh, subgenres that you, you delve into with your writing craft, for sure. Yeah, um, 
I mean, I would say that they're more gas lamp fancy. I wouldn't say that they're steampunk, but that's me being really nerdy and pedantic about <laughs> the granular. What is the difference between the two? <laughs> so for me, with steampunk, it's um, it's as much that it's playing with potential technology and having technology with functionality which is futuristic for that setting, but is made possible through cool steam technology and and stuff so it's, it's kind of like an anachronistic view of that time um whereas the stuff that i write is more fantasy in terms of there's magic it's it's set in 1850 and the the basic kind of idea behind that world is that the industrial revolution was caused by advancements in the understanding of magic rather than advancements in the understanding of science and so i've kind of recreated very similar technology levels but they're underpinned by magic instead of science so for me that's that's a fundamental difference so it's it's looking at basically the effect on the world and how that works and the class struggle none of the nobility have magic and all of the industrialists are industrialists because of their power in magic it's a different way of examining the class tensions of the time it's a different lens to view that through so the second one in the series um is set in a cotton mill in lancashire uh, in manchester uh, where my family, my paternal side of my family comes from. And, and everything about that cotton mill and everything about the working conditions is is absolutely, that is what it was like. But it's run by magic. But I could still examine how poorly people were treated and the kind of the social issues of the time because they are still incredibly exploitative of the workers. Um, so it's kind of gritty magic, nasty magic in terms of the way that it has an impact on society. With With all of this, I mean, as you point out, I write in multiple genres but in all of them, I'm really fucking angry about the world. <laughs> I'm really angry, fundamentally angry about lots of things. And they're just different ways to explore stuff that I'm angry about. You don't seem like Sometimes, an angry person. So. I, I'm so angry. I'm like the Hulk. <laughs> this is my secret. I, I am actually angry all the time. Um, but I just channel it into video games and writing and, um, and LARP. Um, it's like, you know, horror writers, you know, are like the loveliest, fluffiest, sweetest, most gentle people and write some of the most horrific things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because they've got that outlet. I'm certain of it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I think that's one of the reasons why I don't just go around like trashing everything <laughs> is because I have, <laughs> I have healthier outlets. I kill a lot of giant insects at the moment with Pete. Uh, we're playing Earth Defense Force 4 on the PS4. I really love ultra-violent video games, and that really helps. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, usually when I'm pissed off about something, I come home and I'll play a game and I feel better. Um, yeah. But I'm generally, uh, people think I'm an angry, angry, pissed-off person, but I think I'm generally pretty happy. So I guess I'm like the inverse of where you are, where you're happy, you're you're really happy on the outside, but you're actually secretly angry. Maybe you're my balance in the universe. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen when one of us dies. Because... Well, I'm, I'm already dead though. So. Oh yeah! Oh no! Shit! Oh no! Well, Emma <laughs> died that at that shop mean? when she was. <laughs> yeah, she literally. Yeah, that's true. Ah, uh, oh man, that means you still get colds even when you're dead. That right. sucks. Shitty. Yeah. So you've got a few uh, side hustles going on. So you're a full-time writer uh, and then a narrator and then a podcaster as well. Yeah, I'm really tired a lot. <laughs> 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 yeah, because I think at least two of those should be full-time jobs. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, the um, the audiobook narration, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes a few weeks will go by and I, I just don't have a project. Um, there was a time about a month ago when I had three books land at exactly the same time with different publishers, um, with two different studios, and that was insane. So there was a two and a half week period where I narrated 280,000 words. I worked this out. Let me find the bit of paper. 280,000 words, 98 different characters, <laughs> eight different national and international accents, two of which I had to acquire for those books. 
And that was really stressful. And then literally the day I finished the last of that, I had to pack. I finished at like three o'clock in the afternoon and I had to pack and fly to Finland the next day (laughs) to be guest of honor at a convention. (laughs) So sometimes... (laughs) It can be really silly, this um, this life that I lead, where things just suddenly crunch and um, the whole time in the background it's like, and I've got to finish this book and hand it to my editor. So, yeah, it can get very, very busy. But I love, I love audiobook narration. And I feel kind of funny talking on a podcast when I'm getting over a horrendous cold because my voice does not normally sound like this. It sounds much better than this usually. But I really love narration it it is like climbing inside a book and performing the characters you get to know them so well and and i literally one of those three books was pete's next book that's coming out the deathless the oh. first in his new series and being able to narrate one of his books was a real milestone that was a really lovely moment and it was awesome because i knew how everything was pronounced <laughs> 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 i didn't have to spend loads of time prepping the book um because i'd already read it mm-hmm. um when i went through the proofs for pete and he read it to me as he was writing it so i knew all of those characters so well i knew all of the voices for them because he'd read to me um so that was just a joy doing that book whereas other books that obviously have not been read to me as they were being (laughs) written by the authors there's a huge amount of prep involved before I even get to the studio could you do um could you do an accent like mine like a like a southern American accent I probably could but I'm not gonna (laughs) (laughs) because that's one, I've got a cold. Two, I haven't prepared. And three, oh my God, the pressure <laughs> of doing the accent to the person who has the accent. That's awful. I had yeah. to do a book where there was a romantic lead who had the same Texan accent as Matthew, Matthew McConaughey's oh. real accent. Right. And um, <laughs> that was interesting because um, I, I didn't fancy him at all. And then I had to watch loads of interviews with him and I started to fancy him. And I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Some kind of occupational hazard because he is so not my type. But he's got a beautiful voice. He's no Tom Hiddleston. So he is no Tom Hiddleston. He cannot hold a candle to my Tom Hiddleston. Can anybody? I guess Peter. Um, Probably. I am... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Pete, if Pete was here, he would be like, I totally understand, Chick. I totally understand. No, it's, I think he might be perfect. Ah, okay. He might, he might actually be perfect. Um, I mean, who knows? He may have some awful aspects to his personality, but I think he might actually be the most perfect man on the planet. Pete is perfect for me. Tom Hiddleston would not be perfect for me. <laughs> I would not be good enough for Tom Hiddleston. But, you know, Pete and I are perfect for each other. Hopefully, if he listens to this, <laughs> he won't be too upset. No, Pete's very cool. He knows. He knows I have a crush. I have like a dozen crushes. He's used to this. <laughs> so, Tom Hiddleston. Anybody else uh, on the top of the list there? For uh, oh, who who are my favorite crushes at the moment? Oh, this is like that thing when people say, "What's your favorite book?" and I forget every single book I have ever read in my entire <laughs> life. Um, okay, who who have I got various crushes on at the moment? Oh, like practically everybody in the Marvel films, okay, okay. because they're just all so beautiful. Um, Eva Green, <laughs> I'm so in love oh, with Eva great. Green. Mm-hmm. She is so great. She is so awesome, and I'm so in love with her. Um, they're like they're, they're my favourites. I'm going to end this call, and then I'm going to go. Oh my god, how could <laughs> I not have said X? Um, oh, I don't know. Oh, um, oh, oh, um, oh, Tom Hardy. (laughs) He is amazing. And did you hear about that thing where there was the motorbike being stolen or something in the UK? Did you hear about that? He was in London. He got it back for somebody or something. Yeah. And there was this tweet going around where they they were saying women all over London are now stealing motorbikes. (laughs) 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 In the hope that Tom Hardy will will intervene. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which made me laugh for about an hour. I really love Tom Hardy. And I think he's actually, it's not just a, because he's really fit. I think he is actually a really, a really, really excellent actor who is not given enough appreciation. There's a, a film called Lock that I don't know if you've seen it. It's, um, it is literally him in a car, like an hour and a half 
this one guy in a car as his life is falling apart over a series of phone calls. And it's incredible to carry an entire film yeah. by yourself. He is so compelling. Um, I, I think he's fantastic and really gorgeous. <laughs> easy on the eyes. <laughs> Very easy on the eye. Very easy. So yes, those those are my favourites. And, and Rachel Weiss, actually. In Constantine, she was just the most gorgeous ever. So yeah, those are my favorite crushes. Uh, you run the, uh, you co-created and host the Hugo Award-winning podcast, Tea in Jeopardy, and uh, you've had some pretty, pretty nice guests on the show. George R. R. Martin, uh, like Joe Abercrombie was on there too, I think, and uh, yeah, some other uh, GTP guests we've had on the show as well. Um, who's been your most exciting guest ever you've had on the show? Do you have a, a favorite or maybe a top three or? <coughs> Hmm. That's a very good question. I, of course, <laughs> I love all my guests. Sure. So do we. <laughs> um, um, it's one of those things that it's really hard to kind of, in terms of excitement, George, I think, has to be, I mean, in pure, you know, adrenaline to the pound, that was the most exciting and most terrifying guest we've had. But of course, that was that was a live show, which are always automatically more terrifying. Yes, automatically, yeah. Um, and there were like 800 to 900 people in the audience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I really swore a lot just before that started. I was so terrified. I don't think I have ever had so much adrenaline in my body. And I have an anxiety disorder. I often have a lot of adrenaline. I discovered new reserves <laughs> that day. Um, that was scary. Um so, yeah, that was probably one of the most exciting. One of the most special guests was Melinda, Melinda Snodgrass. She was a childhood hero and still is my hero, but is also now a very dear friend. Um, she wrote my favorite Star Trek Next Generation episode. And she was the name I saw in the credits when I was a teenage girl. And most of the names were guys who were writers. And that meant the world to me. So having her as a guest was amazing. So yeah, there there are so many incredible people. Ken Liu, I adore, and I could have talked to him for about 10 hours because he is so clever, so, so eloquent, and such a beautiful man. I just, I adore him. So yeah, they, they stand out in my memory. Um, but everyone has been such, you know, Jasper Ford as well. They've just been such good sports you know we we do a weird podcast and you know when when you meet George like half an hour before you have to go on stage and say would you mind pretending to be poisoned and then falling unconscious whilst we do this stuff <laughs> and th these are the criteria that have to be met by the audience for you to be able to wake up you know that's that's not a normal interview experience <laughs> and <laughs> people have really you know worked well with it and uh, and been like Brandon Sanderson had to be had to pretend to be possessed by uh, the power of a shield, a, a wooden Viking shield, um, and we we role played trying to take it from each other in the background whilst Latimer solved this problem. Again, that was a live show, and again, not something that he is probably often asked to do in a live interview in front of people, but he was so chill about it. So, yeah, we've we've been very lucky that we've had really excellent excellent guests. And Chuck Wendig was our first guest, oh, nice. which was was a was a really great start to the to the show. Um, and what was really insane, <laughs> what was really funny about meeting Chuck was I met him in the states at a convention, and we got on really well. This is years ago, um, and we we got drunk on some very 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 dubious. I don't even know what it was. It was something somebody <laughs> brought from I don't know Croatia or something. I don't know. We got very drunk. We bonded over this very, very strange drink. And um, and then I realized like three years after I become friends with him that he was one of the writers of um, Hunter, the White Wolf game that I'd played mm. years ago in tabletop. And it was like, whoa, my life is weird now. <laughs> I don't understand how this has happened. <laughs> so, yeah, my life is weird. 
Well, we'll have a link to, uh, to Tea in Jeopardy as well as uh, your blog and your Twitter and everything um, in the show notes uh, for the show. And folks can uh, drop by patreon.com slash Tea in Jeopardy and they can uh, check out the podcast and support y'all uh, with what you've got going on there. Uh, how often is the podcast dropping? Like once a month or? It was once a month. We've had to put it on a hiatus because book deadline and audiobooks. We used to be able to do it twice a month. And then the audiobook narration really took off. So, yeah, it's it's just a matter of finding the time. Um, and something had to give. It was either going to be me or my next novel or, or audiobooks. And, uh, yeah, T and Jeopardy had to take a back seat for a while. Okay, so this is called Black Coffee and Death. It is a wondrous experience of a coffee shop in the middle of a grim wasteland that has been destroyed by a cataclysm and every so often people wander into this coffee shop and meet uh, the owner who is me uh, my name is Phil it's my fantastical name wow. <laughs> and uh, Rob who is my barista mm -hmm. my evil barista <laughs> he makes all of the evil drinks so we would like to welcome all the people who would who would care to enjoy some of our coffee Oh, here's a guest now. It's famed author, Emma Newman. Yay. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank welcome. You. Welcome to our our <laughs> wonderful shop in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I'm so glad. So glad to have found it. I've been walking for days through the wasteland. Well, shit. All you got to <laughs> do is shout. We would have came and got you. <laughs> I didn't know that you offered a rescuing service as well. We do all sorts of stuff here. Uh, so what kind of old shitty coffee would you like? Because we only have old and shitty coffee. Old and shitty coffee. Oh, no, like Nescafe or something like that. That's, <laughs> please, please don't tell me you only have Nescafe. <laughs> Actually, we have Best Cafe, which is the off-brand version of Nescafe. <laughs> oh, my God, it really is the end of the world. <laughs> yes, that's true. I'm very sorry, but this is all we have. Uh, it Rob, be fucking decaf. Is it decaf? Rob, can you make our guests some decaf? No, no. no, I wanted to have caffeine in it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Does it. Have you got a version which has got caffeine in or is this just like hell? I'll see if he can mix up something. Rob's a wizard at uh, yeah. mixing up some shitty coffee. I can use some <laughs> some evil, evil, dark, black magic consuming uh, a life force from my soul and probably conjure up a little bit of caffeine for this uh, beverage. Here. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, Good. Are you a soy, almond milk, or, or dairy, like 1%, 2%, or how do you take your shitty black coffee? Uh, just normal, normal milk. Normal milk. We don't do it in percentages here, Wait, so anything really? which is semi-skimmed or full fat is fine oh, okay we only have goat milk we have a goat it's an old <laughs> fucked up goat is this like some kind of nordic larp experience <laughs> where it's really really awful and it's designed to help you explore like the darkest recesses of your psyche because that's what this is feeling mm. like this is a nordic larp <laughs> coffee shop i'm gonna yeah. cry i'll have it black I'll have it black, black okay. instead of having goats. Well, it's too late. I already milked the goats, so. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. That wasn't the goat. What was that? That was something else. We don't know what this is. Wait. Sorry. Here, just try it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad to have found your establishment. It's only the fact that I am on the brink of death that uh, I'm actually going to drink this. But, you know, post-apocalyptic wastelands are quite tough. You look thirsty. I'm well, very thirsty. We have some cake, too, if you're hungry, but it's going to be okay. nasty as fuck, probably. <laughs> it's not going to be Mississippi mud pie, but not made of... <laughs> It's going to be made of mud, isn't it? Oh, no. Well, it's not mud. It's something else. <laughs> okay. Yes, I'll have It's some. nougat, actually. So, yeah. Okay. Mystery, mystery nougat. Mystery. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I'm stuck in some kind of amalgam of faulty towers and black adder and, and Nordic larp. Yay. So we hear you're you're quite skilled with uh, sorcery. So we kind of have a problem, and we've been waiting for someone to come along that could take care of this problem for us. Could, could you <gasps> help us out? Yes, yes. Now well, I see the, the huge exclamation mark over your head. Yes, I will take this quest. 
it's not it's not really a quest because you just have to go in the back alley so you don't really have to go that far it's just like that sounds like a quest to me this is this is a first level quest this is like killing the rats in the basement of the tavern kind of quest okay yeah i will do that okay so you know we have this goat right (laughs) and uh i think i think there's a troll that's been fucking with our goat and um, we we would like you to take care of this troll for us. He's just okay. like right out he right outside the back there. He just kind of stands there. We don't. He doesn't really go anywhere. He just kind of stands around there. Okay. All right. I will go there. I don't have any weapons or armor. Is that going to be a problem? Uh, Rob, can you make her a weapon with your coffee? <laughs> Mi- mix her up a weapon. Ah, okay. Let's see what I can whip up here in my <laughs> my cauldron. <laughs> Ah, okay, so it's a coffee ball-peen hammer. There you go. <laughs> a hammer? Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I can work with this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I'm going to take my trusty hammer, um, and I, I'm going to go into the alley. Okay. So the troll's standing there, and he says, Who the fuck are you? <laughs> uh, my name's Emma. Who are you? My name's Chucky. Hello, Chucky. <laughs> What are you doing here in the alley? It's it's not very nice here. This is my toilet. This is where I use the toilet every day. Ah, so you don't actually live here. You just use the facilities. Yeah. Well, how would you feel about coming round to the front of the coffee shop and having a cup of coffee with me? Coffee? I haven't had coffee since my wife left me back in 63. Ah, well... Perhaps that will help. Perhaps it will help you remember nicer times. Yeah. Why are you holding a hammer? Oh, I'm just holding this for a friend. And they're they're in the coffee shop. Come round, meet them. Come and have a coffee with us. Surely it's better than standing out here in a toilet. Okay. I'll come with you. Marvellous. I will hold up my hand. You get 200 experience points. Woo! Yay! Level, level up. Now you're level two. <laughs> level two. <laughs> Excellent. So I would end. take him round. I, yeah, I mean, as as just for the completed narrative, I will take him round to the coffee shop. I'll try and reintegrate him into what's left of society. <laughs> um, I'll give you back the hammer because I only borrowed it, and then I will finish my coffee and go out into that wasteland, and there'll be some kind of like really tragic music playing as I go off into the distance. The wind catching my hair. (laughs) (laughs) And the troll will then work at your shop for you, and and it'll be awesome. And he can milk the goat for us from now on. Yeah. Yeah, No more milking for you, Rob. Got better things. (laughs) And everyone is happier. That was a a really soft way of Mm. dealing with that, wasn't it? I should have just twatted him, but I don't know. That's why you got 200 experience, because you role-played the situation. Hey, excellent. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad. Thank you for taking me to a a coffee shop in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. (laughs) That is totally my jam, and I love it. That's going to be maybe a spiritual successor to Tea and Jeopardy one day. We can hope so. We have joked about it. (laughs) Well, you are online at enewman.co.uk. Is I am the blog website for folks who want to check you out. You're looking, you're pretty busy with narration gigs, but if folks wanted to have you as a narrator, they could probably contact you at your website, right? Definitely. Just uh, there's a contact form on there. Get in touch. I work with two studios, both of which are excellent. I tend not to do the shorter narrations anymore just because my schedule is just insane. But if someone wants to hire the, the most important things, in any kind of audio uh, narration query is the length of the book that you want to have recorded. The genre, if it's already published, links to it online. And then all I would basically do would be to hand it over to the studios I work with and they would get in touch just because that's the only way I can keep the wheels on in my life now. But uh, I'm incredibly busy for the next, well, oh God. Forever. (laughs) forever <laughs> months but yeah they they would sort out this this schedule for me so yeah that's the that's the way to do it 
And then you're on Twitter at M Apocalyptic. Is Twitter the best place for folks who want to follow you on social media to keep up with what's going on? Twitter is generally a good place. Facebook, I'm kind of buried in writing a book at the moment. So um, there are periods where I just kind of disappear off social media. And if there's been like several days where I haven't tweeted or posted on Facebook, it's probably because I'm either in the recording studio or trying to finish this damn book. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, yeah, I, I disappear every now and again. But generally, that's a good place. Um, yeah. And then is that the next release that you have forthcoming from the desk of um, Eminem or what's coming up next? Uh, next, I believe, is my story in the next Wild Cards oh. offering, which is Knaves Over Queens, and that's set in the UK. So they've brought in a, a new stable of UK-based authors, and my new character um, has her origin story in that book. Um, and Pete is also in that book as well, and it's the first time that we will have been published within the same volume. And Pete is so excited about this because he's far more romantic than I am <laughs> and gets quite, you know, smooshy about it. And he's like, yay. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But I don't get all squishy about it like he does. He gets very excited when he sees our books nestled together in bookstores because he thinks that it's like they're cuddling up together. He's really quite adorable. So that's the next thing that I've got coming out. And then later in the year, a, an anthology uh, coming out from Abaddon Books, which is a collection of stories that all riff off Frankenstein in some way. Cool. Um, and uh, I have a novelette in that, uh, which is set in the 1980s, and it's a gritty police procedural. So I'm quite excited about that. I really enjoyed writing that one. And that comes out in, around October, I think. Um, so those are the next things. And then next year, um, probably around April, May time, I don't know yet, um, will be the fourth in the Planetfall universe. Brilliant. Well, lots of things going on uh, in the world of Emma Newman. Folks can uh, follow the links uh, in our show notes um, to keep up with everything that uh, you have going on. Uh, thank you again so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, best of luck to you for all the books and narration and podcasting and LARPing and gaming and putting up with Peter's crap and all the stuff that you have going on <laughs> in your world. He's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And uh, you can keep up with us at thegrimtidingspodcast.com on Twitter at GrimDarkFiction. As always, drop by our Facebook group, GrimDarkFiction, readers and writers for daily updates on all things GrimDark. Uh, we have a book of the month every month now, so if you wanted to read along, uh, with us be sure to drop by and we are on patreon too patreon.com slash the grim tidings podcast so plenty of places to keep up with your favorite podcast as always thank you for listening philip thanks for joining me on the show again today as always yeah, of course and thanks again for listening until next time stay grim stay dark stay true we'll see you right here on the grim tidings podcast so long If you love the authors you've heard on the Grim Tidings podcast, then you'll love Grim Dark Magazine. Interviews, articles, reviews, and the premier magazine for Grim Dark fiction by authors such as Mark Lawrence, R. Scott Baker, Deborah Wolf, and more. Get knee deep in grit. Log on to GrimDarkMagazine.com.